Hey there, and welcome to How to Live the Podcast, where we are figuring out this thingy called life. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Dadon. We sure are your hosts, and I have been listening to a lot of music lately. I think it's because I've been living in Byron and I've been doing a couple of road trips up and down, and there's a lot of time, 18 hours to be exact, spent in the car on just one way of that road trip. Uh, So Renan and I have had to figure out a lot of things to do and we've gotten really into listening to albums and a random band that we've discovered, you probably haven't heard of them because they're like super Indian underground. They're called the Beatles. What? (laughs) I've never heard of them. I know, no, they're so good. You know when you discover something that everybody already knows, but then somehow you discover it like literally 50, 60 years later? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like everyone was telling you how good it was and you just didn't think they were right until you thought they were right. Oh, that happens to me every time any show comes out on Netflix. Yeah, it does. I always recommend stuff to you and you never watch it. And then like a year and a half later, you'll be like, oh my God, I'm hooked on this show that you told me about a year and a half ago. Okay, because crazy story. Have I told this on this podcast before? Everybody ever told me to watch Homeland and I never, ever watched it. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I downloaded it on my computer, but I didn't watch it. For some reason, I just resist. I resist new things. That's what it is. I don't like change. I'm working on it, but I don't like change. And I was on a train back in the days where we traveled going from London to Paris. And for some reason, I was like, you know what? There's this Homeland show. I have it on my computer. I'm just going to get into it and watch it now. And so I got into it. I watched it. I obviously was like, whoa, this is the best show ever. And the couple on the train next to me turned to me and they were like, oh, did you just see the guy? And I was like, what guy? And they said that Damien Lewis, who plays the main guy on the show, had literally been on our train, walked past me. I wouldn't have known what he looked like because I didn't know what Homeland was. And it's like he sent this like, he just like walks around putting like subliminal messages into people's brains to watch the show. It was so wild. I know it was really weird. Anyway, it was a great show. And the moral of my story is don't resist change. And if somebody tells you to watch or listen to something, you should probably listen to them. Speaking of resisting something, something that people always resist is Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, they do. Why? Why? She's a queen. I love her so much. And I feel like she's such a fresh thinker. And she certainly does not resist change. If anything, she opposites of resist change. And here's the thing. I know that like half the people that were listening already just turned this off because of our so-called controversial opinion because every time I bring this up in a group and I say oh I love Gwyneth Paltrow people are like uh what yeah. like they don't get her and people love to hate her it's kind of like cats like before people have even met a cat they love to say oh, oh I hate cats I thought you meant cats the musical the movie which is definitely the worst thing of all time and should be turned off no I meant the fluffy animals yeah, no, the fluffy like, animals people love to hate cats in the same way that they love to hate Gwyneth Paltrow yes agreed and just like a cat if you spend time with Gwyneth Paltrow or via the internet I have no doubt that anybody who is forward thinking, evolved, progressive, uh, feminist, any of these things that they would love Gwyneth Paltrow. And I love to challenge people who don't like her by saying that I think the media has done a really good job as it does of taking her down the way it takes a lot of women down. Mm, Hear, hear. 
So something that she is obviously very famous for is this blog post that she did about breaking up with her husband called Conscious Uncoupling. I think that was the title of the article. It was. And it just sent the world into a tizzy because everyone felt like it was so fake. And, you know, she was calling it conscious and she was saying that, you know, they respect each other and that they're going to be co-parents. And people were like, uh, just call it what it is. Tell us you hate him and be real. But the thing is, we're all about Gwyneth. And we're all about conscious shit and also going against what people expect from you. Totally. And I feel like it needs to be said that at the time, Conscious Uncoupling, that happened like 10 years ago or something like that. I also was like, oh, what is this thing? Like, I didn't know anything about it then. I didn't know anything about being conscious then. I didn't care. And I definitely was one of those people that was like, ha, conscious uncoupling. Yeah, so interesting. I still actually to this day find the word conscious like pretty triggering and also like I feel like I have the lenses on where I can see how it makes people feel othered. So Mm. I actually don't like that word at all still. Mm, That's interesting. Well, we are going to talk about all of this and a whole lot more. So let's get into this episode. So I feel like you raise a good point that we should probably dissect a little bit here right from the get-go is this idea of what is conscious uncoupling or really what we're talking about is conscious coupling and conscious relationships. What is this word conscious? What does it mean? Yeah, so the way I like to think about it more because as I said, I really hate the word conscious. I like to use words more like thoughtful Mm. or mindful, you know, being actively aware of things as opposed to being conscious because I feel like that creates a sense of like that person thinks they're so conscious like superiority exactly like a bit of like the yoga hierarchy like oh I do yoga and drink green juice all day I'm so conscious yeah exactly and it creates like a well if there's conscious then there's unconscious Mm. but it's like everyone has the capacity to be thoughtful everyone has the capacity to be mindful and in reality those are qualities that we should all be striving to bring into our relationships Mm -hmm. so yeah I think if you think about it like thoughtful uncoupling then all Gwyneth was doing in that scenario was she was going through a divorce but they were being thoughtful and they were bringing thought to it rather than just you know so many marriages end and you just end up at war with each other they were being thoughtful they were being mindful of their kids I'm sure and they were being thoughtful about the decisions they made, the new relationship that they were entering into rather than just everything going completely awry. Yeah, which I'm sure a lot of people do have all of those things in mind, but she was just like putting it all out there and people love to hate her, as we said earlier. They sure do. So how this relates to coupling, conscious coupling or thoughtful coupling, as we might call it, is Jess, you recently did a Conscious Couples course. Yes, I did. So I did this course with Kat and Tully. The course is called Ignite. And you can definitely check it out on Instagram. We'll tag it in the show notes. So I actually joined this course following a recommendation from friends of ours. And Elliot and I have been together now for about 
over nine years and not all of those years have been great and we've actually broken up quite a few times and I've had a lot of thoughts come up over the years around whether or not he is the person that I'm supposed to be with, whether this is the right relationship for me. Um, I have a lot of questions around marriage and whether that feels right for me which then trickle into my relationship as well like if I was with the right person would I feel like I was supposed to be getting married those sorts of things so we have experienced hardships throughout this period of time which all relationships have but We've actually been in an epic place. I think we had a break at the beginning of 2019. And then since then, he and I have been actively working on our relationship and things are pretty blissful. Like obviously we have shit that comes up, but like we're very committed to loving each other through it. And I would say that our relationship is more beautiful now than it has ever been. And I just want to kind of point out that I feel like when you were talking about that and you were talking about the journey that you guys have gone on, the reasons that you've broken up and you were talking about questioning marriage and questioning, you know, if you wanted to be with each other, all these things. I feel like that what you're describing is thoughtful and I feel like so many people and society tells us, you know how we feel about society, (laughs) society tells us that we should just you know, in like around our mid-20s when we've dated around for enough years, but not in a slutty way, don't be slutty about it. And we find a person that we are compatible enough with, importantly, that our families approve of. Mm. And we then get married, have kids, don't get divorced, or even though 50% of people do, it's totally taboo. Uh, at the end. So, you know, I think that society really does condition us to not be thoughtful about our relationships because we're so scared to question and to look at these things because if we do question them, we might end up off the trajectory. I know not to like cut in with my own story, but just a little... Go for it. Just a little quick one. As I was approaching my late 20s, I was like, oh, maybe Renan isn't the person for me. And I'd had these questions for quite a while. Even I think... It wasn't until I hit 31 that I really faced them, but I always felt this pressure, like, but I'm meant to want this, but this is what life is meant to look like. So I wasn't being thoughtful. I was suppressing being thoughtful and I was just like numbing myself and being like, oh, well, I guess this is going to be my life. And I kind of see this fork in the road where had I gone down that path, ironically, now we're together anyway and better than ever, but had I gone down that other road, I would have been with him, but I would have been miserable. And it was by bringing this thoughtfulness and questioning and doing all of this inner questioning and inner work and work together that has led me to the place that I am now. Mm, Absolutely. And I also think it's worth mentioning, you know, when we're talking about these societal pressures, like a lot of it is around like that heteronormative behavior where, Mm -hmm. you know, you're with the opposite sex and your parents think that you need to get married and blah, blah, blah. And that is kind of what we're speaking to because that is our experience. And those are the pressures that we experienced when we went through those periods in our lives. Mm, Totally. And I think every culture has their own pressures and being from a Jewish background that we are, uh, we have had that that idea of like getting married and having all these babies is like the absolute yeah, ideal for Yeah, that's, you. hello, that is why you're here. Did you not know? Yeah. Anyway, we digress. So essentially it got to Jan 1 
Elliot and I are sitting outside and we are creating our intentions for the year and group intentions or individual intentions um individual intentions but then like discussed group in terms of like our relationship Mm -hmm. and the way that we want to progress together and our intentions a thoughtful version of news resolutions yeah essentially they're like really positive things that you want to channel your energy towards for the year awesome so we wanted to create an intention around the two of us in our relationship but It's kind of hard to do that when you're in a great place, right? Like Mm. in other years, we've been in kind of a shit place. So it's been easier to be like, let's spend more time together. Maybe we should explore couples therapy, et cetera. But we were just in this place where we were like, wow, things feel really good. But we feel like there's always room for things to be better. So we signed up to this couples course, Ignite, which is a conscious couples course and Essentially, I like to think of it as going to relationship school. Mm. So like we go to school, right? And we learn all this stuff that's not really helpful for our lives. But you think like being in a relationship, which lots of people are for a lot of their lives, those are schools and things that we should be learning about. Oh, I feel like the whole education system, whenever we talk about anything, I'm always like, why didn't we learn this in school? Right? Yeah. It's so crazy. Like I needed the basic math, but I really like everything I learned. Like sin cause tan? Yeah. What's that? No, I don't know. And also I can do it on my phone. Anything I need really, I can do on my phone. Yeah, exactly. Did you know if you turn your iPhone sideways, it becomes a scientific calculator? Fun fact. No. Yeah, it's really cool. Try it. What would I use a scientific calculator for? I don't know, but it's got all that Syncos town shit in there just in case you do need it. Oh, okay. I'm into that. (laughs) So one of the things that we learned very early on was the idea that you grow up witnessing a relationship being your parents' relationship and whether or not you had two parents, a single parent or parent figures, all of those things really create this idea in your mind of what a relationship should be and a relationship blueprint, let's call it. And that's informing the way you're showing up in your relationship. And that is just something that I had never thought about before. So I'll tell you one of the things that I figured out from this was that when I was growing up, my mom was very much the doer. She was the caretaker. She did all of the life admin. She did the cleaning, the cooking, like all of the stuff. I guess you would call it the traditional wife stuff back in the day. And so my blueprint was that it's the woman's responsibility being my responsibility to do all of those things. So not only clean, but also cook and also do the life admin and book the trips and organize dinners with friends and all that kind of stuff. But the thing is, I wasn't doing it from like a loving place where I wanted to give to Elliot and make a nice life for us. I was actually doing it from a really resentful place where it was like, I felt like this was an expectation put on me by Elliot, which was not true because this is an expectation that I created from my own brain. And then every time I would do something and he wouldn't do it, like I would clean and he wouldn't clean, then I would think to myself, oh, well, that's one tick for me in the in my brain of the checklist between he and I. And I would resent him for that. 
Mm, okay, this is so, so interesting because hearing you talk about I thought I had to do all these things, you are a massive feminist and all of your thought processes and conscious conscious meaning like on the surface beliefs are really forward thinking, really feminist, equality, all of this. But then isn't it interesting how powerful it is what is modeled for you at a young age is actually what's seeped into your brain and your inners rather than all of these more radical beliefs that you have learned and are so passionate about. 100%. Like I didn't even realize any of this was going on. I actually had the conversation with Smells and I was like, I just realized when our kitchen is dirty, I feel guilty. And like, that's on me. I see a messy kitchen and I'm like, that's my fault. I'm not doing my job. At no point am I like, why isn't Elliot helping with that? Why hasn't Elliot cleaned up his dishes? I'm like, oh, I'll get to that. Okay, so this is what I love about consciousness work. And I'm calling it consciousness because you brought conscious attention to these patterns that you were having internally that so many, I mean, we all have these patterns. We all have thousands of patterns like this and thoughts and beliefs that are unconscious. And only by bringing conscious attention to them do we start to be like, oh shit. Like you were resenting Elliot on such an unconscious level without even realizing why. Right. And then only by bringing your attention to those things through this awesome course, did you realize what you were doing? So how would you have ever shifted that behavior, that belief without bringing conscious attention to it? Mm. So what's happened now? Okay, so I feel like we're in an interview and it's kind of fun. (laughs) So I explained it to him and I said to him, like, I feel like all this stuff falls on me. And he was like, yeah, it does fall on you. I thought that's what you wanted. Like you act like that's what you want to do. And I said, oh yeah, I know my bad. I actually (laughs) hate you for it at nighttime. So once I explained to him all of this stuff, the next day I came home and he'd made dinner. And it was so lovely because I had been teaching yoga and I got home at like 6.30 and, you know, was coming home thinking I was going to have to think about dinner because I'm always the one that has to think about dinner. And he had just already cooked for me and it was so, so kind. And then since then, we are very much closer to 50-50. I would not say we are 50-50, although actually I do allow myself to get really lazy now. So like usually he's the lazy one and then I don't let myself get lazy, but now he's picking up his slack a lot. So like sometimes I let myself get lazy and then he'll be the one that cleans and cooks and stuff. But he's definitely stepping up to the plate and he doesn't want me to continue that pattern and that thought belief. Mm, Well, what's so interesting is that Ironically, by you doing all of that stuff, you were obviously sending him this message that you wanted to do it all. So he was thinking, okay, she wants to do it all, but you weren't also leaving space for him to do it. So if you were never lazy, he never had to step up to the plate and be not lazy. Mm -hmm. And so by you kind of stepping back, you know, it's kind of like this tango that you both do that we love to blame and we love to be like, oh, it's his fault. Elliot never does anything. Like, you know, I love to do that too. Oh, Renan never does anything. But 
if we don't create space for them to do anything, how are they ever going to do anything? When Renan and I went on a break a year and a half ago, he totally learned how to take care of himself and do all this stuff that I always did for him. And likewise, I learned to do all this stuff that he always did for me. And we become often so codependent in relationships and fall into these these own roles that we each have, that there's something like amazing that came out of it for us that was like learning to be adults separately. And then when we came back together, we each could do our own washing. And then there was this shift where if he would do my washing for me, I would be so grateful because it kind of took off that expectation. Mm. And I was speaking to a friend the other day who's had a similar experience to you that she realized that she's always done things for her partner, but she's resented him while doing them. And now that she's brought conscious attention to that and she's shifting it to be like when she does do something for him to be like, I don't have to do this. I'm choosing to do this and I'm doing it with love. Mm. And there's such a difference, she said, in the feeling that she has where before when she would do it, if he didn't say thank you, she'd be like, well, you're welcome. I cooked your dinner. Mm. And it's like, well, nobody wins out of that scenario. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. You don't have to do it. But now if she's choosing to cook dinner for him, then he'll be grateful for it and she'll be grateful for any gratitude she gets in return because she just did it out of love and didn't need anything back. Absolutely. I love that. Good for her. I know who that is. (laughs) So another huge, massive, ginormous takeaway I had was around attachment styles. And this is something actually that you taught me about when we were in Byron together Oh yeah, over New Year's. Oh yeah, we all did a quiz online. Yeah, so you can do a quiz online. We'll attach it in the show notes. And essentially the idea is that we all, every single person, fit into two categories really. One is anxious attached and one is avoidant attached. I am anxious attached. I am both depending on the relationship. I can be either. Yeah, okay, that's super interesting. Yeah, like depending on the dynamic of a relationship. So essentially what anxious attached is, is this idea that I am so needy. I need so much from my partner. I need so much love. I need so many things rather than voicing my needs because I'm scared that they'll be too large and this person will run away. I'm just going to bottle them up inside and I'm going to bottle them and bottle them and bottle them until resentment builds and passive aggression shows up. And then all of a sudden I have nowhere else to bottle. So I just blow it all up and I'm like, these are all my needs and they're not being met. La, 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 la. And then my partner gets fucking terrified because rather than just telling them one need at a time or in the moment when I wanted things I'm actually offloading six months worth of shit onto them and like a self-fulfilling prophecy I am then causing them to run away from me because I've just offloaded six months of crap (laughs) I can just so relate because in my current relationship I'm the is it called avoidant attached yes yeah and that's exactly how I feel that when Renan comes to me and he's like I need this and he feels like he's just like saying one need but it's like feels like a lot to me and then I'm like get away from me and then it's just like this horrible pattern that we're in together right so then the avoidant attached which is sounds like a bit more you and is Elliot they have problems accessing their emotions which 
which I know you've talked about in the past. And they definitely have problems voicing their emotions and voicing their feelings. And their instinct when conflict arises or when they're feeling too much even is to distance themselves and kind of shut down emotionally and take their own space and they kind of go into themselves and they're essentially afraid of wanting things from another person. So they just fulfill their own needs a lot without leaning on the other person, but it doesn't leave space for connection because they're just kind of like, nah. And they'll put their hand up and be like... Yeah, the wall goes up. The wall, there's a wall. There's a huge, huge wall. Yeah. And why I loved learning about this stuff so much was because I'm pretty textbook anxious attached or I have been in the past. And I thought that all of those qualities were my own. And to hear that actually most people fit into one of two categories... And I couldn't be less original and I couldn't be more textbook this attachment style just made me offer myself like extra layers of compassion and be like, oh, I'm not a total psycho. I'm just this kind of attached Mm. and that's okay. Oh, totally. I feel like that's so much about so much of this self-help stuff. I don't like the term self-help. I feel like people don't like it. Self-development that all these books that I read that I'm like, oh my God, I thought I was the only freak, but we're all freaks. Exactly. And it really just like takes the edge off of it. Mm, And it also has really helped in my relationship where the advice to an anxious attached was like, if you feel a need come up, like just voice it. And actually this is interesting because I had so much awareness about the fact that I was anxious attached, even though I didn't have that wording to say it. I just knew that those were my styles. Mm -hmm. I knew that I felt really needy. So my response to being needy was to fulfill all my own shit and not need anything from anyone. And so I realized that by doing that, I've actually been stunting the growth of mine and Elliot's relationship because rather than offering him the opportunity to meet my needs, I just go and meet them myself and then I'm not really letting him in, which I guess starts to tip over into the avoidant attached style. Mm, So interesting. I really love how for me, I feel like, I was textbook avoid and attached, particularly in this relationship. And all of the work that I've done around like, you know, particularly meditation and breath work and things like the Hoffman process and reading books like The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. All of these things have allowed me to slowly start shedding those patterns that I've obviously picked up on from when I was a kid and watching my parents and all that stuff. And I find that I fit less into these boxes and I am just more me. Mm, Which is called secure attached. Oh, love it. There's a name for it. Yeah. So the secure attached is exactly what you're talking about. You're just like feeling confident in yourself and you're not in like one of those other two states. But ultimately when you peel back the layers on your secure attached, 
there's no doubt that we get sent into like stress mode, you know, like oh, yeah. life comes up and shit comes up and then oh, for sure. It's, and it's my default. Yeah, exactly. Totally. And then you have a default, but I agree with you. Like I definitely identify a lot more with secure attached, but then I notice that the moment I start to get really anxious, something about our family or whatever else, then like my go-to is anxious attached. Oh, the default is always there on some level and allow me to illustrate this with a story. Please do. This morning, uh, so wait, little backstory, Panther has a hotspot, which is just like a little infection on his face and he was scratching it and so we had to put a bucket on his head but we don't like to and if he's around us, he won't scratch because he's the goodest boy. So <laughs> we slept with him in our room last night and then this morning, uh, Renan went for a run, I was still asleep and rather than leaving him in the room with me, Renan left him downstairs on his own. So Renan comes home from his run and Panther has scratched the shit out of his face. I'm asleep and I wake up to Renan going, oh no, P, what's happened? So I yell out, what's happened? Like, you know, really worried about P. Then the two of them come up bouncing into the room and Panther's whole face is dripping with blood because he's ripped, sorry for the vulgar description of this, but he's ripped the scab off and he's just bleeding. And my immediate reaction was, Renan, what did you do this for? You know, like my yes. immediate reaction was this pattern that I have worked so hard to get rid of in the last couple of years. It was blame. It was shame. It was you are not good enough. It was just, I was just ripping into Renan and he was like, oh, he felt so bad. Like he didn't need me to rip into him. He was already was going to feel so bad. And it was because I was asleep. So there was no thoughtfulness. I wasn't bringing any conscious. I was literally unconscious. And then I woke up to this and I just went straight into that pattern. And then after a few minutes, I was like, oh, okay, no, sorry, bro, this isn't your fault. And he was like, oh, I feel so bad. Oh my God. And I was like, oh no, no, sorry, this isn't your fault. And he was like, um, you know, it really wasn't nice that you just said that to me, that you just started blaming me. And I was like, oh, I know. I'm so sorry. You know, I'm working on like not doing that anymore. And he goes, oh, okay, no, all good, thanks. I just wanted to hear you say that. And it was just so funny the way that I don't speak to him like that anymore. I haven't spoken to him like that in a couple of years, but I just so easily slipped back into acting like that with him. Mm, 100%. I told you the other day, like in a moment where I was feeling really insecure, where Elliot made me go to something I really didn't want to go to and then he left me. I turned around and I was like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> and then like five minutes later, I was like, Oi, Smells, I'm really sorry that I said I hated you. Like, I didn't mean that. And I, I don't know why I said that. Like, that was just not me at all. And I'm really sorry. And he was like, oh, it's fine. But it's so nice to be able to notice that. And even if you are acting in that way to later, even if it's after the fact, admit and be like, Soz, I was being a crazy person. Oh my God. Now totally. I'm back. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I feel like before I had so much shame around acting like that because I was so deep in it that like I didn't like to say sorry I didn't like to admit that I would say that and sometimes I feel myself falling back into that pattern where I'm like I don't want to say I don't want to admit it and then when I do and I just say I'm like I'm really sorry that I said that then it's just like discharges it mm. you know discharges yeah 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 that's what it does it discharges it and I just feel like Oh, it's that same thing that shame always does that Brene Brown always talks about. Like it loves it to be a dirty little secret. And the second you just name it, it loses its power of you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Another little like tip 
that they gave us was this idea of thinking about you and your partner and your relationship as three separate entities. Mm. So usually in your relationship, it's you and your partner. Like those are the two entities, meaning one is right and one is wrong, meaning one is good and one is bad. I'm talking when the, when conflict arises. But then there's this idea of adding a third entity, which is actually your relationship. And by taking that outside of yourselves, what you're actually doing is taking the blame away from each other. Because I think at the end of the day, if you're in a loving relationship and you genuinely want to be in it, if the other person loses, then you kind of lose, right? Like if I'm in a fight with Elliot and he loses, then ultimately I've lost too because like he feels shit about himself and he feels less connected to me and we now are just like in a bit of a shit. Whereas like if there's this third entity being our relationship, he and I being the other entities can stand outside of it and look critically at the relationship and be like, why is it disconnected right now? What is feeling strange about it right now? And we can look at it critically without placing blame on the other person. And then we can move through conflict a lot more constructively. Mm, That's so cool. And Renan and I have actually been seeing this couples counselor who gave us a similar concept, which is this idea that rather than talking at each other and being like, you did this, you did that, that you kind of speak to, she called it your body of love. So Renan and I did this for a little bit. We haven't been doing it so much lately where we would sit and you're not meant to sit opposite each other. You're kind of meant to sit next to each other like in bed or on a couch and face the body of love and imagine that it's there in front of you. And we would say to it, ah, body of love, I felt a little bit frustrated today when (laughs) – sounds like it could get really passive aggressive. But if you go in and you're both going in with like genuine intention to just clear things and not blame each other but actually – look at this thing as this entity, like you say, outside of you and also give it good things. Oh, but like we ended up mainly saying good things, but it was like a nice way of rather than awkwardly being like, hey, I just loved so much when you did this and that, saying it to this third party and putting all of our things into this third party. It just like took the edge off a little bit. Mm. And I think it's from a book that she recommended to us called How to Make Your Relationship Work by Anne Girardi. I believe it's pronounced Gerati. So we'll chuck that in the show notes as well. Uh, I've been meaning to read it. I haven't yet, but definitely check it out if you're interested. Cool. Okay. I love that. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a similar idea. Mm -hmm. So I think that ultimately what's been so great about doing this course is not necessarily the course itself. I mean, all of the learnings have been incredible, but more than anything, I think it's just Elliot and I putting our relationship first and actually putting two hours aside every week to work on our relationship as if it is a fun job that you actually want to do. And rather than like stitching it up, like putting a bandaid on something that isn't working already, I feel like you've gotten so much out of it because you've gone into it already in a good place. And we talked about this a little bit recently where people think, oh, if you're in couples counseling, oh, it must be like trouble in paradise. But Mm. there's just 
such a stigma around that that we want to take off that it's just like there's no shame in doing work whether you're in the shittest place ever or whether you're in the best place ever it's always a great idea to be working on yourself and working on your relationship yeah totally and I think that we can all relate to that feeling of being in our relationship and thinking oh this kind of sucks or like I'm feeling a little bit unfulfilled or whatever and those feelings are totally normal but it's when we don't actually address them when we do nothing about it that those feelings start to fester and grow whereas if you just addressed it and came to your partner in this like open-hearted way and wanted to work on some things that's when real magic starts to happen and like if you're in a committed relationship like Let's not waste our lives, you know, like imagine if I had just sat there with Elliot like where we were three years ago or at the beginning of 2019 and been like, okay, yeah, cool. Like this is it, I guess. Like I'll just have a really mediocre relationship for the rest of my life and sit here and be half miserable and half happy and just call it. That sucks. I don't want to do that. I want to have a beautiful, rich life where I'm feeling super fulfilled by my relationship. And that doesn't mean that my relationship is great all the time. And sometimes Elliot and I really can't stand each other. But this course, if anything, has made us just laugh at those times. And like on the weekend, he wouldn't stop like hugging me and coming really close to me. And I just turned around to him and I was like, boy, I love you, but very kindly, can you just like get out of my personal space? I'm just like really not in the mood for this right now. And he goes, well, that didn't sound very kind at all. And I was like, I meant it kindly. And he was like, okay. And then we just laughed and he (laughs) left me alone. You know, it's okay that you don't want someone in your personal space. But then like, if I, if before this course, I just would have let him be in my space and just thought about how it was annoying me and resenting him for it. Oh, totally. Renan and I have also started something where I used to particularly bottle up my feelings being the avoid and attach that I am. And I would just never tell him how I was feeling. And so now instead of sitting down and eating dinner in front of Netflix, which we love to do, um, we'll often make dinner and then sit down and chat through dinner and just give a bit of time at some point to airing, oh, how are you feeling? How are you feeling today? How was your day? And not how's your day in a like, oh, I did this and did that. But like, oh, I'm feeling a little bit anxious because of this thing that happened. And just like giving a little space and time to actually air feelings that have come up and it feels so good and you feel so much closer when you've shared like that Mm, yeah 100% sharing is just delightful sharing is caring Mm. so we hope you've learned a little thing or two by listening to this conversation today of course if you do want to continue the conversation Find us on our socials at How to Live the Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Mm, and definitely go and check out Ignite Couples Course if like you like this chat and are interested in this stuff because Kat and Tully are awesome. They also have a podcast. We'll pop it in the show notes. This podcast was brought to you by Ignite. Kidding. No sponsors here. We just love them. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope you have a great week, whether you're consciously coupling, consciously uncoupling, or consciously single and loving it. We are sending all the love to you. Bye. See ya. Na, 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 na